Infield the podcast form as we're going to take you through the uh, series that was the Washington Nationals and get you ready for the Tampa Bay Rays. But before that, I just want to introduce myself. This is Todd Fox, along with the other co-hosts of the show. Fernando and his raspy voice. Raspy. Why is it raspy? I just don't know, man. It's been raspy since New Jersey. Maybe I got some New Jersey in my throat. Yeah, leftover in New Jersey. Maybe it's their crappy food. <laughs> it's lingering like the cranberries uh yeah right i mean i i remember when we had mark gubas on i asked him like hey you know you're from that area south you know you're from near south jersey what are some good food and he's like uh i don't know yeah <laughs> it's kind of hard to pin it down over there there's nothing that new jersey is really known for except the stink and the potholes yeah maybe one day i can ask trout like hey man what do you eat or matt or uh, matty v there what you do go. you eat caucus? besides hula hands there you go he'll have the answers for sure and he'll probably say it elegantly as possible you know what i mean to make it sound like it's actually awesome or he'll be like super 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 excited and then like it turns out he was wrong and then he calms down he's like oh never mind (laughs) maybe but with that being said we're gonna get into what we always do and we talk angels baseball with you uh as and roger lodge and Roger Lodge, yes. And John Stamos. We'll talk John Stamos. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of John Stamos promotions <laughs> upcoming here. So, uh, yeah, get your red on and get your Stamos on at the same time. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but the Angels... We need right- some shirts to say Stamos stands. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Something promoting Stamos. We need to work on that. Um, but, yeah, there's a stands right now. We're 19 and 11, 30 games into the season. Uh, quickly or off the bat, Fernando, how are you feeling about that with it, you know, considering where this team has been the last few years? It's weird to hear that we are this, uh, we're, we're so far over 500, so late into the year. And, you know, obviously we're only a month and some change in, but, you know, the Angels being the Angels, normally we're at about 500. Yeah, or, or dreaming. And that's on a good. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what what's so far – I mean, you don't have to go into this series because we're obviously going to take it game by game. But what has so far impressed you and what has so far kind of gotten you worried? Well, what's so far impressed me is the fact that the Angels are actually doing something as a team. You know, the cowboy hat to the rest of the league might be lame. To us, we're trying to be like, oh, it's for Gene Autry. You know what I mean? Like, But it gives us something to talk about. Mm-hmm. gives us – something as the fans to look forward to or grasp onto, you know what I mean? Cause on Twitter, like Brandon Marsh hit a two run home run on Saturday. And all of a sudden everyone's like, give him the hat. You know what I mean? On Twitter, it's just something to talk about. And something that concerns me, we're now starting to get national media attention. I don't like that. We're not used to it. Let's not give these guys media attention. Let's just let them play baseball. <laughs> All right. All right. So you're like, don't jinx it, guys. Don't jinx it. Yes, absolutely. Don't jinx it. Especially when you got losers like Ben Verlander talking about the Angels. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I don't want any kind of like stank or bad rub. Just because I think a lot of these guys, too, are clout chasers. So they figure if they get on the bandwagon now, maybe they'll look smarter at the end of the season. Because nobody was really picking. I mean, look, even with the key additions that this team made, no one saw the chemistry coming. No one saw the good pitching standing up, not only re- uh, relief, but starting. No one was picking this team to win a division or be a, a division contender. And game by game, they're starting to gain the confidence of possibly being that. So I think as we go along, you're going to see more people change their tune. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, let's get started, shall we? Um, game one was on friday nationals uh angels we were uh well i was at the game and they were giving away rendon shirts you're with your mystery date yeah chris (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) he was there and uh in right field so yeah there was a was he yeah he was there in the pavilion yeah okay 
Was he was he wearing his rally suit? Did you see him? Absolutely, he was wearing his rally suit. He was he got in with Angel's Twitter. Actually, he was making a big deal about that. Okay, cool, good for him. Yeah. So, who was the starting pitchers in that Nationals series, Eric? Right there, game one. Um. So it was uh, what Diaz? Yes, yes. Um, Jonathan Diaz. Jonathan Diaz versus Adobe or whatever his name is. Uh, Adon. Adon, yeah, Adobe. <laughs> so, Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Adobe photo, Adobe Premiere, whatever. Yeah, he he did he did a really good job too. I mean, he kept the Angels hitters off balance. Uh, but I w- I have to say that Jonathan Diaz really impressed me. Uh, I thought he had some really good moxie out there. Uh, there was a couple of plays that were turned on the infield, and that he he went off the field just like Shohei, pumping his fist and and very excited, clapping towards the player. That's that's nice for especially a rookie. Yeah, we got a small taste of him last year, mm-hmm. where he only got a start in a couple games. But I mean, this was his first game of the season: five innings pitched, three hits, no earned runs, four walks, four strikeouts. Now, um, I didn't get to watch that game. I listened to it on the radio. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you this. With four walks, was his command pretty iffy or was he getting squeezed by the umpire more so than? Uh, One inning, he had a couple walks where his command was iffy and it was that dreaded fourth inning. Other than that, um, you know, the Angels always struggle in the fourth inning for whatever reason. But he did have some command issues there. And the first. Yeah. Yeah. The first. But 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 mostly after that, like he was cool, like like he had his pretty good command. Um, he brushed back Soto. The fans liked that a lot. Him and Soto were kind of because Soto was kind of like chattering at him too. So uh, he kept his cool and uh, he did a good job and pitched five solid innings. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get a guy from Salt Lake who isn't expected to be a key role player for you to do that, I mean, that's that's big for your organization, big for the team. Yeah, it's kind of a, one of those things too. Like a lot of people were saying, like we were talking to a few of the fans. And they were saying, man, um, if he pitches like this, they're going to be like Suarez who? You know what I mean? Like if, But I understand he's going to hit his roadblocks too. He's not always going to make five innings. But let's just say he does give you five innings, whether it's in a losing effort or a good effort. That's more than what Suarez was doing. And they were more concerned about his pitch control or pitch count. And it looks like, you know, he could have went a lot longer. I mean, he only had 68 pitches, I think, when he departed. So he was like around at 68, 70 pitches after five innings. That's very manageable. I mean, if they wanted to stretch him out more, he could have won another inning at least. I mean, he was over the 30-pitch Madden limit. So <laughs> there you after go. After 30 pitches, Madden's like sitting there like hyperventilating, like, you know, <laughs> like he's at a dance trying to ask one of them foxy mamas to come dance with him. So he's like, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, 32 pitches. And they're like, it's okay, Joe. It's okay. He's like, my Applebee's reservation. <laughs> we have to keep the game moving. That's true. That's true. And, oh, and by the way, remind me to talk about when we finish up this series about Joe Madden. I heard something that I wanted to get your viewpoint on uh, after the series. Remind me about that. Okay. But, uh, but watching this game, uh, it came down to one big hit, and that was the Mike Trout two-run double. Uh, the, the audience, it was electric. Uh, when he got that double, because a lot of people thought it was a grand slam because uh, he had the bases loaded at the time. Yeah. Uh, like. Oh, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> no comment. No, I was just going to say it was one nothing at the time, and I think it was either the fifth or sixth inning, and those two add-on runs were huge. Uh, the bullpen came in, did a great job, and, and, you know, like that game was one of the quickest games I've ever been to. It was just over two hours. Uh, Inglacius, 28 minutes. Yeah. And Glacius came in there and literally his theme song and entrance was way longer than his performance. He went out there one pitch, a fly out, two pitches, a fly out and three pitches, a strikeout. And the game was over. Hey, I mean, super Trevor Hoffman of him. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Trevor Hoffman had the long like jog where you have like the snails going past him and he's still like jogging. <laughs> and then he came out through like 165 warm-up pitches mm-hmm. and then got like, you know, three straight pitch outs. Yeah. I mean, they played the long, they played the entire ACDC song the entire time, the hell's bells. So. 
Actually, it's funny. Sometimes, like, you know, even with, like, his long jog, like, I remember, like, sometimes you, like, after his warm-up pitches, it barely got to the part of Hell's Bells where, like, the words started. Yeah. Because it's, like, six minutes and 50 seconds of just... Long old guitar riff, yep. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. But now, now, Rysel, uh, they're trying to do something with his entrance. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the song El Rey by the goat Vicente Fernandez. Rest mm-hmm. in peace, puppy. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it's just not an epic song. But hey, they're trying. They're trying. Well, you know what it was? It was one of those things where I didn't know, obviously not knowing the, the, the language, did not know the lyrics, but I had someone interpreting what the song meant. And I'm like, you know what? That's pretty cool lyrics, like the lyrics to it. And, and and it made sense of what he's trying to do. So I fully endorse that song now, now knowing what it says. Um, but them getting the win, we also do a nacho uh, night, you know, award with the nacho uh, fries and the helmet. Uh, or nacho yeah, for chips. anybody, please explain it for somebody who maybe doesn't listen to the post game shows. Oh, okay. What well, is nacho night? Brief, briefly, it's like who we talk about here on the podcast all the time, which we're which we'll get into more as this series goes along. Is Jeremy Reed and Paul Sorrento. Paul Sorrento being the main hitting coach and instructor, it seems like he just doesn't give a damn, and there is not like this in-game strategy. So we kind of make fun of him in a way where you know he loves the helmet nachos, so like that's all he does during the game. So it, on Nacho Night, the worst player of the team, whether it's the home team or the away team. The worst performance always gets the helmet nachos award from Paul Sorrento. And so that night it was Anthony Rendon on Anthony Rendon night, you know, of all things, his shirt. I think he hit into like two double plays, a strikeout. He was terrible. He had two strikeouts that day and four runners left on base. And at the end of that night, his batting average was two twelve. Yeah. And, and so you had, you had Anthony Rendon shirt night. Everyone got one. And he and we were all fully expecting him to do something, just get a walk, and he couldn't do anything. Yeah, and it was against his old team. Yes, exactly. And yeah, on top of everything else, the team that said we don't want you, bro, deuces. Mm-hmm. And he laid an egg. So, so did Kurt Suzuki, who was also facing his former team, the Nationals. And didn't he go on the IL after that game? Was or was it the uh, next? Night? I believe he did. Yeah, it was the end of the Saturday, but. I think it was after this game, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> both of them take an L on that one. I mean, keep in mind, Suzuki, like what, a night or two before, made that really epic, uh, he did the splits there. Probably <laughs> heard his, his quirkies. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And speaking of quirkies being hurt, uh, David Fletcher, who came back and who couldn't hit his weight and was struggling, Still with a hip, now it's possible he will go. Well, he's already on the aisle, but possibly he'll be get, getting going under the knife for surgery. Uh, that would be a timetable that they say he could be back by August and September, somewhere around there. Hey, I mean, if we can get him back for some kind of postseason push, then so be it. I mean, this isn't David Fletcher. David Fletcher isn't a batter who's going to take the world by storm. But we know David Fletcher is not a 170 hitter. 250 maybe, but he's not a 170 hitter. Yeah, at his, at his max, he's a really good spray the ball all over the field, line drive hitter, uh, occasional pop, and he's about maybe 290. That's his, that's his ceiling, yeah. I think. And you're right, he's 250 yeah. usually. But that's what he needs to be. Yes. We don't need him to be a 380 hitter. I don't need him to be a 400 hitter. Mm-hmm. I don't even need him to be a 320 hitter. I need you to – Set the tone at the bottom of the lineup to flip the lineup over. That's all I need out of David. Absolutely. He's not even doing that either because he's not getting walks. He's not taking pitches. He's way too aggressive for the kind of hitter that you're describing. Yeah. It's been a rough season. You can tell something. Yeah, absolutely. So that would force us. For the first time, we have some depth. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have to like worry about things or make an ill-advised trade or a free agent pickup. They have guys they could bring up um big, seemingly at will. So but that would but that would be the three nothing victory. Um uh Jonathan Diaz gets his first major league win. We were there to see that and uh Inglesius with a save and the Angels take game one. Game two on the other hand featured who 
It featured Michael Lorenzen, the Vans man, mm-hmm. and uh, Gray for the Nationals. That's Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray, yes. Hope I said his name correct. I think he did. I think he did. Um, Lorenzen in this game wasn't at his best. Um, nope. He threw a lot of pitches. 4.2 innings pitch, five hits, five runs, all of them earned, two walks. However, he did have seven strikeouts, but he gave up two home runs. And Josiah, 5.1s inning pitched, uh, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, gave up two home runs as well. Yeah, and the thing with, with the Angels is they got those two home runs, but just with one guy on. Uh, the other one was a solo blast. Uh, the the Nationals seem to have runners on every inning and were threatening for a lot more. Uh, this was the Nationals lineup that uh, you know that they've been trying to get. Like their their hitting has been sporadic at times, and it was sporadic, you know, from the first game to this one. This one, they pl- I think they played their best game of the series. Uh, they were just you know uh, all over the place in this game. What the thing that got me though was after uh, Marsh had hit that two run homer to make it a one run game. Here's my thought to you too, bro. So you're down four three. You just yanked Lorenzen. Or, or you, you didn't let him finish the fifth. He was four and two thirds. And you bring in, I mean, I would have brought in someone in that, that's used to tight situations. They bring in Elvis. Elvis, who has been very erratic since pulling him up last year. Probably the worst pitcher on our staff right now. Why would you bring in a guy in a one-run game at all and, and being that bad? Yeah, in five games, he has a career 24.55 ERA through <laughs> 3.2 innings pitched. Yes. What did you think when you saw Or did you see that game when, when they brought him in? I'm trying to see if I can show you on the camera here his photo. Oh, where is it? That's not showing up right there. It exited out. Yeah. His his expression is exactly what I thought. There it is. <laughs> yeah. His is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it was drooling. You know, honestly, like leave it to Joe Madden to just have like a stacked bullpen mm-hmm. and still find ways to select the wrong person consistently. Yeah. I mean this and I understand you have to give some of these guys an opportunity and you know, he's the fresh arm. You want to ride the fresh arm, but not in that situation. I agree. I would have been happy with him going to wants uh, with uh, Myers, uh, with, with just about anybody. Using Hergate in that spot instead. Yeah, they could have even went with Jaime. But they go, you know, they go with uh, the worst guy out there and boom, two run homer. And what I remember uh, listening to the game they were like Langston was like, well, good, you know, that's a bad move right there. Cause I like Langston. He's pretty critical at times. He knows when to say yes. And no when to say no. Yep. And um, he was like, I don't agree with Elvis being in this situation. Once he gave the tour on Homer, he's like, well, congratulations. You just gave the momentum right back to Washington. So, yeah. And the angels have seemingly been doing that a lot. You know what I mean? Like in a lot of their losses, they've like kind of clawed their way back in. Mm-hmm. just to lose it. And we almost saw that happen again on Sunday. Yeah. On Sunday, you know, we'll get to that, but Gooby said it best. He's like, you need a shut down inning right here. You don't need to give it right back. Like you did the other night. So, you know, this was this, and that was like the nail in the coffin. Obviously they added another run later to make it seven, three, but the angels really didn't have much. Uh, it, you could tell the air was sucked out of that stadium after that two run Homer. Yeah. You know, Brandon Marsh was able to claw and fight the Angels back into it with this two-run home run after Walsh's solo shot. But, you know, you said the best, man, that the vacuum was just sealed from the stadium. You know, you put the vacuum in (laughs) into the space bag and no air. And it's a shame, bro, because just like you said with a cowboy hat and believing in something, they added another wrinkle to it. seems like all these players do something different with that cowboy hat and Marsh at the end of it went to Walsh and they did this crazy little uh, like little handshake slash dance together. And I thought, man, that was really, really cool. Like they're on the same page and that, and, that, and he was really fired up. And, and then like you said, had two run Homer, it, they did suck the air right out of it, dude. Yeah. This is such a momentum based game. I mean, I guess all sports in the grand theme, 
uh, scheme of things are, but especially baseball. Mm-hmm. And you know, hitting's contagious. Home runs are contagious, but most importantly, just players having fun is contagious. And this is like the first time where I've really seen the guys bonding with handshakes or the hat. You know, they're just doing different things. And that's why you have so many people saying that the team is different. Whether that translates to the playoffs or not, we can definitely all agree that the team is different. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's the thing that Gooby was saying, as well as Rendon there, uh, today, was that just they're feeding off the fans' vibe. There's, you know, everyone's feeling, like like Trout said the other day, and one of the report to one of the reporters, she's having fun. You know, this is something where it's not like they're, it doesn't look like there's any chemistry. Like you said, they have things now we could focus on as fans too and hope hope that they do after home runs or big hits and stuff like that. So even though they took the loss in this game, um, you know, it was it was sort of like, okay, we'll come back tomorrow, we'll win this series. Whereas something like this happens last year, the year before, and we're on a four-game, five-game losing streak. The angel way. Yeah, it's the angel way. So that's kind of how it was before. So in that game, the Nacho Night Award went to again Anthony Rendon and again against his former team. He did absolutely nothing in this game. What was his line in that one, if you if you got it? So Rendon, three runners left on base, 0 for 4, but he didn't strike out that game. Yeah, exactly. So he was another 0 for 4, and we kind of gave it to him just because it was a national series. We probably could have gave it to somebody else, but uh, – it was just more magnified that once again, he came up short in a series that he had probably circled on his uh, calendar. I mean, in theory, right. But Rendon has no emotion, so probably not. <laughs> probably. So that threw us over to today. Probably has those uh, Ranger series around his calendar. So he can go to spring Creek and get some barbecue. So the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And sleep in his own bed. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know what part of Texas he lives in, but. Yeah, I, I hear it's close to Houston, and you said it's like three hours away. So, from where I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had this. Or will be. Yeah, will be. Yeah, soon, soon. So uh, Sunday's game was today. It was Mother's Day, where we all reflect on our mothers and everything else like that, and give thanks to the women in our life. And uh, it was the Angels uh, setting up for uh, uh, what is it? Uh, who started today for the Angels? It was Patrick Sandoval, the Sandy Man can, and he competed against, I can't even dream of saying this guy's last name, Feedy, Eric Feedy. Feedy, yeah. I didn't know much about this guy coming in, but uh, he he dominated the Angels for about a good five innings, or almost six. He pitched really good. Uh, Sandy made a, a, you know, they got a run off of him in the first and I believe one or two around the fifth. And, and you know, he was down three nothing, but he battled, man. I mean, he, again, like you said before, this dude's a gamer, and he went out there and pitched great when he had to uh, and kept the the Nats down. You know, like they could have probably against any other pitcher would have rallied off about three or four more runs, but he did a real good job today. Yep, 5.2 innings pitch, seven hits, three earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts, and he has a season ERA of 2.03. Yeah, not bad at all. Very, very good. Yeah, Feedy did you know a decent job himself. Five innings pitch, two hits, no earned runs, five walks, four strikeouts. It did not look good for the Angels the first chunk of this game. Absolutely. It turned into a bullpen game. The Angels did rally. Um, you know, they, they the thing was in this game, if you watched, it was very frustrating. The strike zone was up and, and uh out out and over the plate and up high. And uh, there was quite a few strikeouts. Quite A lot of hitters did not adjust. Um, the thing that bothered me, again, was these guys were just making contact but popping up. They were playing right into the pitcher's hands. And uh, one, one of the guys that really I should, should never be swinging above his belt is Andrew Velasquez. Do you agree with that, that this guy's got to be a slap-the-ball hitter, look for things more down in the zone because – Dudes, I mean, look, his defense is the only thing keeping him on the field, and it's electric. Like, he made another couple good plays today, but his at some point, you got to take him out of the lineup if he can't hit anything, right? 
My guess is that um, these guys are trying to tell him how to have these at-bats. And and the thing for him is he's having to adjust on the fly, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard him compared, I think it was Gooby, who compared him to Andrelton Simmons. Mm-hmm. Very, actually, I think it was Langston. Very early Andrelton Simmons on the Braves. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Couldn't hit his weight. Couldn't hit a bowling ball getting thrown at him. <laughs> but the problem was that his defense was great. You couldn't send him down because he was doing so much to stop defensive runs. Do you really want to be the guy responsible for all of a sudden um, you're starting to lose games because you have a hole at shortstop? And I get it. You know, who's his replacement right now? Probably um, Tyler Wade. And he's got good defense himself. But, I mean, Velasquez is just so good defensively. We are talking elite, cream of the crop. Okay, so then if that's the case and you laid out the very good scenario and, and- comparison on him do you go up there with a mindset now of let's hey let's just bunt the ball with this dude let's just give make it a bunt fest with him because there's been several times guys have been on and this dude swings at pitches above his head and he just pops him up like wasted outs i think they're just trying to tell him to make sure to have good at bats and unfortunately he's gonna have a lot of growing pains right now but the good thing is he's not a guy the angels look at to make an impact in the lineup, you know, and that was the problem with Adele because people would be like, well, what about Adele? Adele wasn't helping the team defensively and he was expected to make an impact with his stick this year. Absolutely. That's the difference with Velasquez. He's not hurting himself defensively. Actually, he's helping the team defensively and nobody expects him to do anything with the stick. Well, then what if you move him to eight instead of nine, having to flip the order? Because they had him in nine today, and he was just an easy out right before they, you know, the next batter came up. You know, where to put him in the lineup, I would, I'm a little more in the air about it. I mean, I don't like Trout at two. I, I think your fastest two hitters should be one and two. As of right now, uh, Ward is just doing too good, so you, I wouldn't remove him there anyway. But in an ideal situation, I would be having Marsh bat first yeah. with maybe Ward second or a guy like Velasquez second. And people are like, bro, you're an idiot. Why would you put Velasquez second? The reason I, why I put him second is because at least if he's going to pop out of the outfield, well, then maybe we can tag up, get Ward at second base for Trout. You know, runner on second base, one out. Or, you know, Trout gets out. Well, then you got, you know, Otani batting after that. There's just more that you can do. I, I don't think you need to have a great hitter batting second. Your best hitters need to bat third, fourth, fifth. Yeah, you need a guy to at least get contact or move the guy over. I, I feel you on that. Uh, yeah, but, I, I would. Know, some people think I'm an idiot, and I, I'm also the idiot who, in a five game series or in a seven game series, my number one pitcher, my ace, is pitching the third game of the series. We'll talk to that. We'll talk about that when the playoffs come up. But uh, I'll get judged pretty harshly for that. Okay. People are like, no, your ace needs to pitch the first game. Not always. Not always. See, and, and well, yeah. um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish it. Finish it. I was just going to say, you know what? I, I'll just tell you a little bit about why I think the best pitcher in a series should pitch third. All right. So let's just say that we win the first game of the series because I use Shohei Otani or, you know, Noah Syndergaard, Patrick Sandoval, whoever my best pitcher is in the playoffs. We're in the divisional round. Okay, great. Well, now it's. Now we're up one nothing, but I'm not going to get to see him till maybe game five. Now, if I need that, mm-hmm. here's the thing: if we're up two nothing and I have my best pitcher coming in for game three, well, great. All of a sudden, we can clinch the series today. Or if we're down 0-2, great. Now I have my best pitcher to get me back in the series, tied one one. Great, I have my best pitcher now to get me up two one. You know what I mean? I just think your best pitcher should always be pitching third. Well, game three is pivotal no matter what, obviously, with those uh, Exactly. It's always a decisive game. Game one, sure, sometimes you hear the stats, but that's more like in basketball where it's like, oh, you know, 80% of the games, the teams that win game one win the series. You know, baseball's different. Yeah, it is different. It's way different. Because, uh, yeah. look, at, I mean, you, could, you can go back to uh, the Angels 2002 run. They lost every game one of every series and wound up winning every series. So just – that's how that goes. Didn't the Royals also when Gooby won the World Series? Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So, 
so in so in this series we were frustrated with Madden's moves in this game too. Uh, the the lack of ju- uh, changing on the fly, adapting to the pitchers. Another the hitting instructors did not help these guys out. They seem to be on another you know another failed you know because I was thinking this is gonna be Baltimore all over again. Except you know we lost the first two games, salvaged one. I thought we salvaged one in the middle and lost the rubber. But uh, what ha- wound up happening is they took out Tyler Wade, which I wasn't a fan of at first. But Captain Jack came through with a two-run double down the line. It was three to two. Then uh, or- or- Ortega pitched out of a jam, only gave up one run, should have gave up more, but he pitched really good to get out of it. And that seemed to give the Angels some momentum uh, as they were heading into the uh, – well, they didn't do nothing in the eighth, but heading into the ninth inning. If you want to set that up or should I – yeah, so they had Luis Renjifo come in to replace Squid, a.k.a. Andrew Velasquez. Luis Renjifo walked. Then Taylor Ward singled on a line drive to Juan Soto, and Luis Renjifo went over to third base. And then up comes the GOAT, yep. Michael Nelson Trout. Uh, what does your boy Roger Lott say? The uh, the three-time MVP should be six, two-time uh, back-to-back All-Star Game MVP. Yeah, he re- re- pretty much reads. Blah, 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 yep. blah, 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 blah. The, uh, the son to Beckham, or the, the dad to Beckham, the, the husband to Jessica. What is third grade spelling bee? Pissed in the toilet by himself when he was six months old. <laughs> And can eat six pudding cups in one sitting, Michael Nelson Trout. Yeah. He could change a tractor's wheels with no tools. Yeah, with <laughs> nothing but his wiener. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by the time he read his resume, you know, Trout struck out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Trout struck out. I mean, Trout hasn't exactly ever had the clutch gene. No offense to my boy. He's still the go. But, I mean, he's never exactly been Captain Clutch, has he? No, not where you could be like, okay, he's going to go deep right here. He's going to give us a lead. You had a good feeling that maybe he'll rip a single or, at worst, get a sacrifice fly. A walk. Yeah, a walk, too. But for him to strike out right there and the fans knowing that Shohei hasn't been Shohei yet, I was pretty demoralized. I was watching the game with my dad. I'm like, okay, this is not looking good. Yeah, but Shohei Otani came up and doubled, basically hit a home run. We're talking about a foot or two. Yeah, dead center or left center, right? Yep, almost oppo. Not completely oppo, but, you know, left center-ish. Mm-hmm. I think in a night no, game. No, I think it would have hit where the truck was. Yeah, yeah. But that <sighs> one went. That one went off the wall, and uh, you know, did, yeah. uh, what it was it called? They came all the way around to score two runs. It was four four. You felt really, really good right there. Like at least we're going in extras. Yep. Yeah, Renhifo and Ward scored. We would have gotten. Um, well, technically, if Rendon struck out, we would have gotten Rendon on second base to start extras for us, which nice. I mean, is just as bad as having Albert Pujols on second base. <laughs> Yeah, and then so what did Rendon wind up doing? He came through. He got a hit. Wow. He got a hit. Stop the damn presses. Stop the damn match. The Nationals have a family. <laughs> yeah, because if Roger was on the call, it was Rendon to left. Oh, God. Here comes Otani. He's rounding third. He's coming. He's coming. He explodes at home. The Angels win. Oh, Otani. How's that for a blind? <laughs> Dude, my voice is like shot. I, right? He's off for the love of Stamos. The Angels win. Dude, he just starts saying that. <laughs> for the love of Johnny. <laughs> go, Johnny, go, go. There you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's classic. But, yeah, I mean, what a walk off. The Angels' mothers were there the you know the the players mothers and you know what here's a question too i mean despite you know the you had the celebration you had otani pumping his fist you had them nearly taking the jersey off rendon and then they had the gatorade supposed shower and then marsh trips over (laughs) over the gatorade bucket wouldn't that been terrible if rendon actually got our boy marsh hurt 
Yeah, right. It would have been like, you know what, Brendo? Now you're costing the team because you don't want to get wet by some Gatorade. Exactly. It's like, dude, just enjoy the bath. It's fun. It would have got the fans. Yeah, you need to scrub up. the Texas off your brother. <laughs> well, my question to you, and this is a lot of the Angels fans, obviously Renifo being pushed into the team right now. Obviously, he's going to probably start to see some playing time and they're going to rotate those infielders. Is this his last shot here with the Angels to make an impression? And do you think he's finally going to make it stick this time? I don't think it's his final shot. I mean, he's only 25 years old. He's still under team control. I I, I want him to do something, man. Nobody wants Renjifo to succeed more than I do. Not because I'm a fan of him, but because he's really like the last piece of the Epler puzzle that we've yet to see have any kind of impact at all. Yeah. He's come up in, like, like we've seen it before. He's uh, Last year, he was batting 364 in AAA, and he came up here, and he couldn't even hit 205. So, I mean, he's got 196 games under his, you know, under his belt. I understand that's not a ton, but I mean, it's enough where you should be comfortable up here. And the thing is, he doesn't look comfortable. It's like rally Chris at a public speaking event. He just doesn't look comfortable. (laughs) That's a low blow. Or or grill master at the winter meetings. He just wants to DFA everybody. He just looks super uncomfortable. Or grill master at a laundromat washing clothes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My socks won't stay crispy here. Yeah, right. Or Todd Fox at a at a restaurant where they only speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm screwed. They're like... Uh, con permiso, señor. ¿Quieres un burrito con el queso? And you're like, sí. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take an horchata. Sí, burrito con queso. <laughs> Give me a quesadilla. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Yeah. I put my cheese in that tortilla. Oh. <laughs> I'll feel that tortilla. Oh, <laughs> I want that steak gordita. Oh. Oh. Well, I love well, steak gorditas. We're never gonna have. You think Artie Moreno's a Del Taco guy or a talk ta- or a Taco Bell guy? Oh no! If he if he's if yeah, I mean if he's got to get back at the Mexican culture, it seems like he's always anti that. He'd have to be a Del Taco dude. He's probably more of a Cafe Rio kind of guy. <laughs> he's like I like overpriced quesadillas. Jeez. Dude, I don't, I don't know, man. It seems to me we'll never have Artie or Roger Lodge on this show as a guest ever. Hey, the invitation's always open. If they ever do their homework, they're gonna, they're gonna block us. So yeah, yeah, probably. Roger Lodge already blocked you. <laughs> yeah, he, he already knows who I am. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh man. Well, um, look, we hope for the best for Renifo. I would like for that to translate from Salt Lake to here. And uh, we'll just have to see. Only time will tell. But maybe he'll feel less pressure now that he's got a real good team around him. And uh, with a walk-off win today, like you said, we're 19-11 and 11 in our first 30 games. It feels really good. You said it. You know, we're eight games above 500. You know, we were dreaming of something like this before. So this is best-case scenario out the bat. I'm not going to get my hopes up until after this race series. And either way, even if we sweep the race, yes, it is too early. But at that point, we've actually beat some legitimate teams. And don't get me wrong. You have to beat the teams that you should be beating to get to where you are. You're not at the end of the year or to get where you want to be. But, you know, you need to beat legitimate teams for you to be taken seriously. If not, you're going to be a candy-ass team like the Dodgers just beating up a bunch of no-name losers who somehow make the playoffs every year. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they have a cupcake schedule. That should all change every next time. year. Yeah, but but for right now, for us, you know, you're right. The, the test is going to be against the Rays, who we're going to talk about here in a second. And then we play, I think, thirteen or fourteen games with Oakland and uh, Oakland and the Rangers back to back on the road and home, and sprinkle in two makeup games in between. So, 
Uh, there's going to be a couple double headers here uh, upcoming, but against winnable teams, you know. So uh, the Rays, what do you think about game one? Because I heard that they are going to go with a spot starter in that one. Yeah, dude, talk about some like good pitching matchups. So, I mean, Jeffrey Springs is a bullpen arm for them. He's one to know with the 0.69 ERA. He's got 14 strikeouts now. And we've got Noah Syndergaard, two and one with the two point six three ERA and fourteen strikeouts. Noah Syndergaard looks real this year. I understand he's not going to be the elite starter he was, you know, four or five years ago, but he looks like he's holding his weight right now. He looks like he's at least going out there and showing that he still has something in the tank. He's not done, so we'll see. This could be a very good game tomorrow. Absolutely. And we're going to get a really good look at that Rays bullpen, or at least a couple long guys. And uh, so so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, our boy Syndergaard can come out there and give us six strong again, and the offense can wake up because, again, they've been, they've been very erratic. And we talked about this on the last pod. You get Taylor going, uh, or, or you, you get Taylor going, you get the number two spot with Trout, Otani, and then Rendon and, uh, you know, Walsh, if those five are hitting, dude, that's a murderous row right there. If they're hitting consistently, getting on base, and then whatever you get out of the final four is just freaking uh, cherry on the, on the, on the uh, you know, or chocolate on the, on the top of the ice cream. It's, it's all gravy. That's what I should have said. Uh, you know, yep. that, I think the offense can get really going, um, but they've just been struggling like that. There's been too erratic. But and the Rays are going to be a really tough uh, an out because their their pitching staff is very good. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't get any easier on Tuesday. Corey Kluber one and one with the two point three six ERA, twenty five strikeouts against Reed Demers, who's one and one with the five point three two ERA and eighteen strikeouts. It's going to be a real test for Reed Demers. He's going to be going up against a guy who's been doing it for a very long time, a guy who a lot of Angels fans have wanted to see in an Angels jersey multiple times. Mm-hmm. So. Um, We'll see. That's going to be Otani bobblehead night. I really, really, really wanted to go. Looks like I'm not going to be able to. Todd knows why. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, if anybody can give me one of those bobbleheads, let me know. I'll be wanting to pay you. There you go. And then, friggin', you got in game three. Uh, who who gets a start in that one? Shane McClanahan, who's 2-2 two and two with the 3.06 ERA with 47 strikeouts. Against Shohei Otani, who's three and two with a three point zero eight ERA and forty one strikeouts. Just saying, Jaden McClanahan has better numbers than Shohei Otani, and that could be the game of the week right there because these McClanahan's a very underrated pitcher because he's in Tampa. Nobody knows yep. about him unless you're on the East Coast. Uh, you know the Rays again. Not only are we pitching good in this series, but they have an East Coast Yankee style hitting approach to the plate. They are going to be looking to take pitches. This is a series where the Angels can't be goofing around on the strike zone. If they're not getting the calls, change it up. Um, move it to the other side of the plate. Try to try to not hit the same corners if you're not getting it. Because the Rays will be focused, and like they always are, and they will take pitches and earn walks, get you into trouble, and then all of a sudden they're turning, instead of a one-run inning, it turns into a three- or four-run inning. So, All right. I need you to channel your inner halo honk. Okay. Because people are going to hate my answer. Will the Angels win this series against the race? My inner halo honk says two out of three. My reality says one out of three. I'm going to go one out of three. As And that's why I already, I already said people are going to hate me for it. I mean, we cheer for the Angels all the time. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this. Trust me, nobody's doing this because we hate the Angels. But man, it's going to be really hard to beat this race team. And I get it. We have one more win than they do. They're 18 and 11. We're 19 and 11. But they have already beat some very good teams because of their division. Absolutely. We haven't had to deal with a ton of good teams. Do I think the Angels maybe win the season series against the Rays? Sure. When we go over there, I'm sure they'll be a little more conditioned at that point. But I just, I, they're too hot right now, the Angels. I, I think that they're going to struggle a little bit here. I think they're going to win one out of three, and I think it's going to be Otani who wins the one out of out of three for him. That very well could be. It could be uh, a series where, just like Baltimore, you lose the first two games and you have to salvage one. 
It's just like I can't look at the series and say we can go toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay if the hitting is still not consistent. If Walshie was doing a yeah. little bit more, if Rendon yeah. was hitting like 240 at least, if we can count on Shohei not to hit into so many double plays or pulling the ball into easy ground outs, if Trout wasn't striking out so much because he, he had the hat trick today, uh, he's had a golden sombrero uh, last week. Uh, you know, if he if he's making more contact, driving in more runs, you know, I'm feeling very confident with with the Angels going toe to toe. But the fact that those five, ha- besides Ward, haven't been consistent all at the same time, it's a big question mark for me. And I I, f- I don't feel as confident as I normally would for a team that's 19 and 11. Yeah, um, you know, here's hoping that all those guys heat up. You know, here's hoping Trout heats up. Here's hoping Walsh has good at bats. Here's hoping Rendon decides to just make some contact. Mm-hmm. Here's hoping Red Hepo, if he gets a shot, will be the major league hitter that he's supposed to be. Nobody ever wants Rendon or sorry, Red Hepo to be a 350 hitter. I wanted to be a 250 hitter with average defense, and his defense is average to above average. Just give me that. Velasquez, have a decent at bat, bunt some guys over, create some havoc on the base paths. Make the defense make some good plays to throw you out of first base because you used your speed. That's the kind of stuff I want him to do. It's it's going to be a tough series. Honestly, I don't care if we lose the series as long as they play good baseball, mm-hmm. they play some good defense, the pitchers keep the, the team in this game, in all three games. I've said it before, you can lose a series but win the momentum of the series. If the Angels can force the Rays to play a good series, even if the Angels lose it, then that's a win, right? Yeah, exactly. And Dude, that was like a super Trump, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. But what I'm saying, what I want to bring out is defensively, let's just say Renifo's hitting his weight and he's putting in the, 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 weight, the type of baseball we think he can play. Velasquez is doing the same thing, at least getting at least a hit a game or something like that, or a couple walks. Imagine the defense that they could throw out there if they decided to go with those two up the middle and you got Rendon at third and Walshie at first making picks. That's a hell of an yep. infield, dude, because Renifo, as much as we slam on him for his hitting, he's just like Velasquez. Defensively, he's solid as hell, dude. Yeah, he's only been great defensively. Yeah. I mean, they would sew up the middle of that field easily. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, career he is hitting higher than his weight. He weighs 195. He's a career 216 hitter. Oh, wow. All right. Almost a full 20. There you go. Over 20 pounds. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Well, look, this is going to be a tough series with Tampa. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, they could weather this storm the rest of the month, or at least most of the rest of the month, is going to be against two teams before we hit that Toronto series at the very tail end. So, uh, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what the Angels can do because those aren't give me's either. They're divisional opponents, but uh, we would seem to think with how depleted both teams are in certain aspects, the Angels should take advantage of them. I hope so, man. I mean, I, I really want the Angels to win this series. Not, you know, trust me, I really do. But, you know, we can't sit here realistically and say, hey, the Angels are going to win every single series, though we hope for it. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what was the uh, remind me I was supposed to get back to you about Madden right oh Joe Madden yeah okay okay so I heard a snippet I'm not gonna say whose podcast it was on it was another Angels podcast and uh, it was very surprising because who who it was talking about it they it was a clip that they posted on their page and it literally said I'm getting tired of Madden um. Madden has seemed to have uh, been innovative when he was in Tampa Bay, but they're doing the same things that Tampa Bay uh, did when Madden was there and then some, and they're much better. He's, and he was saying that he was innovative for the time when he was in Tampa, not so much in Chicago. They won with pure talent there. And he says now that he's with the angels doing the things that he's doing, the league is caught up to him and passed him by. That was his hot take. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, we kind of should have saw it coming. The thing with Joe Madden is that he was a mixture of Mike Sosha and Brad Osmus. Mm-hmm. Mike Sosha only cared about his gut, did not care about the analytics at all. You know what I mean? 
Brad Osmus, pure analytics guy. Joe Madden was supposed to be the healthy hybrid in the middle, and he was supposed to be a player's coach. You said to yourself, the Angels don't need a player's coach. They need somebody to go in there, kind of dictate and build a culture. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what Joe Madden's culture has been. Maybe that's something to talk to our buddies about who have been in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But, and it's just, I really... Yeah, it, it's pretty obvious that the game kind of has passed Joe Madden by. The Angels need a younger manager. It's just it's just hard to think about who the new manager will be. I think in the next couple of years, Pujols will be a manager somewhere. I don't wow. think it'll be here. But I, I think he will. And remember, he is under contract for the next 10 years once he retires with the Angels. I don't think that means he's going to become a manager anytime soon. But maybe near the end of that 10-year contract, that's some position that he's in. I think he might be a hitting coach. I could see that. I mean, but then if the team led the league in double plays, we'll be like, yeah, Pujols put his stamp on this team for sure. Yes, he did. <laughs> and imagine imagine if he was the manager, the slow-ass walk out to get the pitcher, how long it would take him. Oh, God. <laughs> Go out there in a baseball cart like the Diamondbacks. <laughs> that would be perfect yeah oh man but uh yeah i mean look i have to agree with your take right there um i really don't see madden going i mean unless something crazy happens and they gave him an extension i just have this crazy gut feeling that no matter what he does he's not perry's guy you know i think perry might even have someone ready to go I don't think so, man. I think he's going to stick around if the Angels make the playoffs. I think they give him a one-year, maybe two-more-year deal. At that, Because who are you going to replace him with? That's true. Brad Osmus again? Unless unless they get – unless they give him a two-year extension and then you see, like, this young bench coach that supposedly has a real good analytics background or something like that, and he's like – you know, he just got the call-up or something like that, then you could be like, well, maybe him. Maybe he's a – I wanted the Angels to give Eric Chavez a chance a couple of years ago when he was the AAA coach. Is he still down there with Salt Lake? I don't believe he is, no. I'll check right now. Oh, okay. But uh you have anything else left to go on uh, for this episode? Other Because we gave our predictions and everything already and hot takes? No, man. Okay. Well, that's been another episode of Halos in the Infield talking about the series that was and the one that will be. And we're going to do this for every season uh, season series moving forward and give our hot takes on uh, either free agents on the, on the market, upcoming possible trades, because we'll, we'll get to that point at some point. And then uh, just talking about who's, who's hot and who's not on the Angels. So uh, moving forward, keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infield. So for Todd Fox and the always. And Fernando Mendez. <laughs> Fernando Mendez, wh- who will be soon to be in Texas in a state near you. Uh, Viva Los Angelitos. Yes. Peace.